All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial with Frank Graney, a News Talk original podcast. A woman in her 20s has died following an assault in County Offaly. The incident happened along the canal bank at Cappencur in Tullamore at around four o'clock this afternoon. Breaking news, the arrest made on suspicion of murder of Ashling Murphy, the school teacher. Joseph Puska of Linali Grove, Mukla County Offaly, appeared before a special sitting of Tullamore District Court last night. On the afternoon of the 12th of January last year, Ashley Murphy, a 23-year-old schoolteacher, was killed along the banks of the Grand Canal in Tullamore. Josef Pushka, a Slovakian man who was living at Lenali Grove in Mukla, County Offaly at the time, is on trial for her murder. He has pleaded not guilty. I'm Frank Graney, courts correspondent for News Talk. And I'm Ashling Moore, radio producer. I'll be in the Central Criminal Court for every minute of the Ashling Murphy murder trial. And every evening we'll bring you a factual, accurate and balanced account of what the jury hears on any given day. And only what the jury hears. It's their job to decide on the facts of this case and they'll do so based only on the evidence presented to them at trial. This is All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Welcome to episode 7, Beats Per Minute. So, Frank, today the jury was presented with data recovered from Ashling Murphy's Fitbit from the day of her death. And they heard how the recorded heart rate declined rapidly around the time the prosecution believes she was killed. The defence raised some issues about the reliability of that evidence. And the jury also heard from a Garda who spoke to Josef Pushka in the hospital bed in Dublin the day after he's alleged to have murdered Ashling. But before all of that, maybe let's start with the testimony of a friend of the Pushka family who talked about a visit from Josef Pushka. This was at about nine o'clock on the day Ashling was killed, the evening that Ashling was killed. That's right. Uh, this is a man called Rosislav Pokuta or Peter, as he confirmed today that everybody calls him. He, like Josef uh, Pushka, is originally from Slovakia. Um, he has lived in Ireland since 2006. Um, at the time, he was living in Tullamore, lived there with his family, his wife and kids. And in January of last year, he said that um, he was driving buses. He was doing school runs to a number of uh, local schools uh, in the area. Uh, as you say, he was a friend of the Pushka family. He knew Yosef and his brothers. Uh, a number of maps were pulled out uh, for uh, this witness. And he pointed out his home um, in, in in one of the maps. And uh, we heard that it was opposite um, a business premises. There was a, a photograph which showed a view uh, from that business looking across to his house and he confirmed that that was that that was it and that his son at the time had a Volkswagen Golf grey in colour he said uh, we heard that he provided two statements to the Gardaí uh, the first on the 21st of January last year and the second uh, three days later and the reason for those two statements or the reason for the second statement being given was because we heard that that first statement was incomplete um, he gave evidence of Josef Pushka calling to his house uh, that evening at around uh, nine o'clock or he said it could have been 10 to 15 minutes before at nine o'clock or perhaps 10, 15 minutes after nine o'clock. But it was in or around that time uh, on the evening of the 12th of January last year. He said that uh, there was a knock on the door. His son opened the door. He was eating his dinner at the time. And he said that his son came back into the house and said, Yosef is here. 
And he wondered uh, why he was there at that hour. Uh, he said that he went down to the door to see what was going on. Um, he said that Mr. Pushka uh, asked him if there was any chance of dropping him home. Uh, Yosef, as we have heard uh, in this trial, was living in Mukla uh, at the time. And this witness said that uh, Mr. Pushka told him that he had been in some sort of a fight uh, in the town, uh, something like that. He said that he didn't tell him who he was in a fight with, that he didn't really want to talk too much about it and that he simply asked him uh, to drop him home. He also asked for a bottle of water, uh, which he said that he gave him. And he was asked how Mr. Pushka looked uh, when he called the house that evening and he described him as looking very scared. He said it wasn't like him. He described him as being wet. Uh, He said that his face was scratched and he described the scratches as bleeding. And he said that um, his colour, his uh, complexion, he said that wasn't his colour. He looked like a totally different person. Um, Again, asked about his son's car and whether or not it had a sunroof. And he said that it did. He was shown some CCTV footage then um, from outside his house. And again, this is footage that has already been shown to the jury and it was captured from that business across the road uh, from his house. And he uh, described how it shows uh, the car leaving the estate then as they began their journey towards Mukla. And you can see a car approaching uh, a roundabout with a sunroof on it, a Volkswagen Golf. And he confirmed that that was his son's car, that he was driving with Mr. Pushka in the car. And as I say, he was taking him back to uh, his home in Mukla. So on the way to Mukla then, this witness told the jury that he repeatedly asked Mr. Pushkar what happened to him. Mm. And he said he must have asked him 20 times. Yes. And Mr. Bakuta in his evidence today said that he didn't get an answer out of him. He said that he asked him why he didn't call the guards and that he got no answer to that question. Um, he was asked today what Yosef uh, Pushka was wearing that evening. And he said that he was wearing a black tracksuit with some line on the side, a white line. He said um, he was asked if Mr. Pushka had gone into his house. He said, no, he hadn't. He waited outside the door that he went out to him after his son had answered the door. Um, Again, he asked him a couple of times what happened. He said he didn't get an answer. Um, On the way home then, uh, after the roundabout, when you turn into Mukla, um, he told the jury that Mr. Pushka asked him to slow down in case somebody was outside his house. And he said that um, he wondered and he asked Mr. Pushka why he would be worried if he hadn't done anything wrong. He said that Mr. Pushka wanted him to drop him down a little further down the road um, from his house, but that he dropped him to the house exactly is how he said it at the end of of a cul-de-sac. And he said that Mr. Pushka, before he got out of the car, said that he'd sort him out the next day and that he went into the house. And um, after dropping him off, uh, this witness, Mr. Bakuta, uh, said that um, he didn't see any other cars there at the house. He didn't see anyone inside the house either. This witness told the jury that the reason he didn't tell the Gardaí the whole truth the first time was because he was worried about his own family. Did he elaborate on that? He did. His his concerns were twofold. He said that he was worried for his family and also for his job. And in relation to his family, he said there was a lot of stuff going on uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, that he was quite concerned about. And he was worried that if he said something, they might come down to his house and do something was how he put it to the jury. 
And when he was asked under cross-examination if he was afraid for himself, he said not so much. He said, I'm a man. And he just said that he was worried about his small children. He was worried about his family. He said uh, everyone was going seriously crazy was how he put it. And he said that it was more than just an ugly atmosphere around Tullamore. He was asked if he was afraid people would come to his house and harm his family. He said he was. Uh, Again, he spoke about what he was seeing on social media. Uh, He said pictures with comments on it. And in relation to his job and his concerns for his job, again, he said he did school runs for young children. He um, drove a bus and he wondered what the families of those children would say, especially when they were trusting him uh, with their young children. He was asked if he was worried they may turn against him. He said he was. He was asked if the parents of the children that he was bringing on this school run, uh, these school runs, knew he was from Slovakia. And he said they did because he'd been living in Tullamore for several years. I'm half Irish, he said uh, today with great pride. Um, A passage from his statement, this second statement that he gave to the Gardaí again back in in January of last year, a passage from that statement was read back to him uh, by Mr. Pushka's defence barrister, Michael Bowman. And in it, he described how Yosef was scared and shaking that evening. Um, he said that his face looked like he was very scared of something. His face almost looked blue, he said. Uh, he was all wet and shaking. He noticed marks on his face. Uh, scratches was how he described them. And he was asked by Mr. Bowman uh, if Josef Pushka looked like somebody who had been in a fight. And he said, I don't know. He said, I can't say because I haven't been in many fights myself. He was asked if he thought he was hurt. Um, he said he did think that. He was asked if Mr. Pushka was holding his stomach, if his stomach seemed injured. And he replied, I think so, yeah. But he said he couldn't quite remember He said that he was holding something, maybe his head or stomach. Um, The judge, Mr. Justice Tony Hunt, uh, then interjected at this point and he asked uh, the witness if Mr. Pushka had an injury when he called to the house that evening and he said, yes, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about this Fitbit evidence that was presented to the jury today, Frank. Um, This Fitbit belonged to Ashling Murphy. Correct. And as we all know, um, Ashling was out exercising along the Grand Canal in Tullamore uh, on that afternoon when uh, Josef Pushka is alleged to have murdered her. One of the items, I suppose, taken away and preserved as evidence was this Fitbit Versa 3 fitness tracking device, which, as you say, belonged to to Ashling. And today we heard from a detective guard that Kieran Byrne from the Garda National Cyber Crime Bureau. He was the one asked to analyze it as part of the investigation into Ashling's murder. Um, as I say, she had it on her while she was out exercising uh, that day. And he said that it tracked a number of things, including steps, stairs, calories burned, sleep, distance traveled, heart rate, walking slash running pace, elevation, cardio, um, VO2, uh, all of those kind of of things. And he extracted whatever data he, he could from Ashley's uh, Fitbit account. And we learned today that um, as a result of the extraction of that data, um, he was able to tell that her exercise session began at 2.51 p.m. 
that day on the afternoon of the 12th of January last year. And a map tracking the watch's journey that afternoon was handed out to the jurors and it was also displayed on the big screens across the courtroom for all to see. Detective Byrne said the values were pretty consistent uh, right up until at 3.21pm. So from when the exercise session began at 2.51, right up until 3.21, the values, he said, were pretty consistent. The watch at that point had recorded a distance travelled of about uh, three kilometres. At 3.21 then, he said that she is uh, no longer travelling in a a westerly direction. He said the direction of travel moved in what he described as an erratic or a violent manner in a way that that it hadn't done uh, before. And, And I should say, you know, the evidence that was heard today in relation to this Fitbit and, and, and the records and the data extracted from it um, may be distressing to some listener discretion, as always, is advised. Because we heard at that point, at 3.21, both the heart rate and speed values started to decrease. And specifically in relation to uh, the recorded heart rate, he said it started off at 100 beats per minute and that it increased for a consistent period up until 321 when he said it began a rapid decrease and by 331 p.m he said it no longer picks up a harsh rate and that is the time the prosecution believes that Ashley Murphy was killed what's the defense saying about this evidence well um Mr Pushka's barrister Michael Bowman uh, cross-examined this witness about his findings and he essentially urged caution about relying on the accuracy of the data recovered. He asked about the software used to um, forensically extract the data and and also to examine it thereafter. And he asked about the accuracy of the recorded times, uh, the accuracy of other recorded data, such as the elevation of of the route at certain points, particularly to po- towards the end uh, of, of that session, because you can see from the graph that it dips quite significantly. So his attention was drawn to that. He was questioned about that. And Detective Byrne said that um, as part of his investigation, he bought a test model. So we bought another um, Fitbit device, the exact same no- uh, model as the one that Ashleen had. And he said he then used it to walk the route of the canal before extracting that test data as a reference. And he said the watch, um, this test watch was synced to a guard the test account. And he he said the results of that were consistent with the data extracted from Ashleen's account right up until the point where the heart rate began to drop rapidly. The defence also questioned the reliability of the speed or the pace value and wondered why it was still recording a speed after 3.31pm and Detective Byrne said that that's due to the way the watch works out distance over time. He said the values come down at a gradual rate. The jury has already seen CCTV footage of Mr Pushka arriving at an apartment in Dublin with his parents. This was the early hours of the morning after Ashling was killed. Mm. And they've heard evidence from paramedics who attended at that apartment a few hours later. Now, today, the jury heard from a number of Gardaí who also responded to that call. What did they have to say? 
Yeah, Gartha Keith Brennan and Gartha Kevin O'Shaughnessy responded to that call. They were both stationed at Crumbling Gartha Station. The call came in, we heard, at 20 past 11 in the morning. Uh, Gartha Brennan was first in the door, um, followed closely by Gartha O'Shaughnessy with paramedics from Dublin Fire Brigade behind them. Uh, We heard from those paramedics yesterday, you may remember. And we heard they were directed to a bedroom in that apartment. And from the door of that bedroom, Gartha Brennan said he could see a man he now knows to be Josef Pushka lying with his knees on the ground, his face on the bed. He said he had his back to the door so he couldn't see his hands. And with that in mind, he said he identified themselves as armed Gardaí, uh, told Mr Pushka to show them his hands, which he did. And once satisfied that he didn't have a weapon, he said they moved into the bedroom and that paramedics got to work. And I should say, I mean, when they were responding to this call that morning, they were responding to a stabbing incident. So they didn't know um, what was in store when they went into the apartment. And that's why they approached um, the apartment in the way that they did. We heard the two Gardaí then once the paramedics got to work, we heard the two Gardaí then went to the living room of the apartment where four four others were present. Uh, None of them spoke good English, we heard, but a woman who had arrived at the scene was able to translate. This was a cousin of Mr. Pushka's. Uh, Mariana was her name. And Gartha Brennan told the jury that she, Mariana, that is, told him uh, that Yosef was from uh, the Tullamore area. Uh, she outlined a conversation that she had had with Yosef's wife the previous evening. Um, she described his wife as out of form during that conversation and told the Gardaí, uh, or that she told her rather, that she tried to go to a Garda station to report him missing that uh, previous evening, which would have been the same uh, day that Ashley Murphy was allegedly murdered. And did the Gardaí have any further dealings with Mr Pushka at this point? Well, Gartha Brennan said that he asked Mariana um, to go back into the bedroom where Yosef was. Uh, he asked her to act as a translator. Um, he wanted to know how he got his injuries and and where it happened. And again, the evidence that we heard yesterday was that he had st- suffered a number of um, uh, what appeared to be stab wound injuries to his stomach area. And that when he, Gartha Brennan, that is, and Mariana went back into the bedroom and began asking him questions, um, Yosef Pushka told him that he had been in a fight uh, in the Blanchardstown area the previous day and that he had been stabbed. And Gartha Brennan said that um, no other uh, details were given in relation to that. No great detail was given given in relation to that alleged stabbing uh, incident. And he was asked how um, Josef Pushka was presenting at this point, And he said that he looked in significant pain. We know that Josef Pushka was then taken by ambulance to St. James's Hospital in Dublin 8. And the jury heard today from a Garda who spoke with him in his hospital bed. Now, how did that come about? That's uh, that's right. Uh, a Garda Paul MacDonald, he's now a sergeant, but back in January of last year, he was a Garda attached to the detective unit in Blanchardstown. Uh, he was on duty on the 13th of January last year, made aware that a double stabbing had occurred uh, in or around the area of the Blanchardstown shopping centre the day before. 
This incident was being investigated by Blanchestown Garda Station. There were two victims. Uh, this was still at the information gathering stage. Uh, Garthy had become aware that a person had presented at St. James's Hospital in Dublin, claiming that they had been the victim of a stabbing in Blanchestown the day before. This was, as we know now, uh, Yosef Pushka. Um, we heard that uh, Garda MacDonald's supervising officer uh, tasked him to go to the hospital to hear what uh, this person had to say in relation to that alleged uh, knife attack. Uh, Gartha Connor Newman uh, attended at St. James's Hospital uh, in Dublin 8 with Gartha MacDonald. Uh, they were told that the patient was a Slovakian national. So uh, Gartha Newman got in touch with the translation service uh, before they went any further. And shortly before uh, 12 o'clock then that afternoon, um, we heard that uh, that Joseph Pushka had been brought to the hospital. And it was a number of hours later at about half past two that afternoon that Gartha Paul MacDonald and Gartha, uh, Gartha Connor Newman uh, went to the hospital to speak with him. OK, so what did he have to say about those dealings then with Mr Pushka at that point? Well, um, Gartha MacDonald said that um, he went into St. James's emergency department. He approached the nurses station there, explained why they were there. And he was directed to room four in the A&E department. He was introduced to Josef Pushka, whom he said was lying in a hospital bed. He said that his eyes were closed. Uh, he said that he noticed a series of monitors attached to Mr. Pushka's chest and arms. He said that he could see uh, his torso, his hands, his face. He could see a large part of his stomach area. And he said that that was covered with um, a dressing. Um, he described him as having a distinctive raw complexion uh, on the palms of both his hands, his face and also his forehead. And he said that they woke him up. Uh, they gently roused him, uh, was how he put it. He described Mr. Pushka as being in good humour. Um, he said that it was apparent to him that his English wasn't at a very fluent level. So the translator that Gartha Newman had organised um, uh, was on the loudspeaker and was able to translate uh, for them in that in that hospital room. Uh, they told Mr. Pushka that they were trying to ascertain what had happened to him in Blanchestown the previous day. They wanted to know his movements. They assured him they were there to assist him um, and that he told them that he had travelled to Dublin by car the day before, that a friend had given him a lift. Uh, he didn't tell them who the friend was, but he did say that he was dropped off at the Houston station area. He uh, told them that he was coming from Tullamore that day, that once at Houston Station, he got a taxi to Blanchestown. He didn't know precisely where the taxi left him out, but he said it was about a kilometre from the main street in Blanchestown. Uh, he told the Gardaí that he was going to meet a woman there. Um, he couldn't tell them her name. Uh, we heard that he paid the taxi driver in cash. At least that's what he told the Gardaí. And he said that once he got out of that taxi, he was immediately set upon and assaulted by two men. He described one of them as having dark skin, uh, wearing a tracksuit, maybe 170 centimetres in height, uh, spoke with a Dublin accent. He had no description for the second man, according to uh, according to the Garda. He described injuries that he received. Um, he couldn't elaborate any further in relation to the attack. And he suspected that his phone had been stolen because it couldn't be located after that alleged assault. Um, he asked him again if he could, I suppose, assist him with the location of this attack. And he said that he remembered seeing a field and an apartment block uh, nearby. He told the Gardaí that he was very shook, that he then returned home to his father's address in Crumlin. He said he couldn't remember how he got there. He was in complete shock and he just remembers um, falling to the floor. And he believed that some of the injuries that he suffered were as a result of being 
dragged across the ground. Now, the guard that described taking out his phone at one point and asking Mr. Pushka if it was okay to take a photograph of some scratches uh, on his left hand. And he said that uh, Mr. Pushkin nodded and gave him a thumbs up before he took the photo. He thought that it would assist him in uh, with his inquiries. He said the right hand was identical to uh, the left hand. And he said that the exact same markings were found on his forehead and the front of his palms. This photo was presented to the witness as an exhibit. He confirmed that that was the photo that he took on his phone. And then a copy of it was handed out to the jurors in the jury box for them to have a look at as well. Okay, and this uh, conversation between Garda MacDonald and Joseph Pushka, the jury heard today that this set in train some contact with the investigation team in Tullamore. That's right. The investigation team in Tullamore were obviously at this point investigating the alleged murder of of Ashleen Murphy. And we heard that uh, Gartha MacDonald received a call from a Detective Gartha based in Tullamore. Uh, Detective Gartha Scattle, he said that he didn't know him, and but that he was asked to inquire about the clothing worn by Mr. Pushka. So he went back to the hospital that evening. And I suppose jury heard today that this all happened after that initial interaction with uh, Mr. Pushka, that Gartha MacDonald went back and spoke to his superior um, about uh, what Mr. Pushka had told him. He showed him the photograph on his phone. And just after half past eight that evening, he gave evidence of going back to St. James's Hospital. He said that not for the first time he spoke with the consultant, the head of the emergency department there, a doctor, a Hennessy. He was inquiring about uh, Mr. Pushka's belongings. And again, this was on the back of an inquiry made to him about the clothing worn by Mr. Pushka when he presented at the hospital by a detective based down or at least involved with the investigation team down in Tullamore. And Dr. Hennessy told him that Mr. Pushka had been transferred for medical treatment as he understood it. He was going to theatre for surgery and that afterwards he would be going to a recovery ward so that no no further info would be divulged at the, that point. Um, he said that he also asked the doctor for uh, CCTV and he was told that if he wanted any information or any access to clothing, CCTV, things like that, that he would require a, a search warrant. We heard then that about an hour later, at 20 to 10 uh, that evening, uh, that a detective guard, Fergus Hogan, and a detective sergeant, Brian Jennings, uh, both involved in the investigation in Tullamore, uh, arrived at, at the hospital at St. James's Hospital, and that at 20 to 10 that night, a guard, MacDonald, and his colleague met them outside the accident and emergency department and explained to them uh, about their inquiries with Mr. Pushka. That's it for episode seven of All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. The jurors will hear from more witnesses when they return to court at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm Frank Graney, court's correspondent for News Talk. I'll be in court every day. You can follow me on X at Frank Graney for updates and make sure you follow this podcast, All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial for an impartial and comprehensive account of what happens in court on any given day. All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial was hosted by Frank Graney and Ashling Moore with sound design by Lachlan Hart. Follow the podcast on Newstalk.com on the Newstalk app, powered by Go Loud, or wherever you get your podcasts.